remember Kyrie and Harden can be difficult personalities. I mean, Harden in his own right, look, he had a team and he had a franchise to himself and they gave him everything they could possibly do to surround him with the best talent. They tried the shooter route, they tried the Chris Paul route, they tried the Westbrook route, they tried the Dwight Howard route. So they tried literally every combination possible and he couldn't get the job done. You see Kyrie, he's shown that's why LeBron look, LeBron deserves more credit for how he dealt with the Kyrie situation and how he was able to get Kyrie to key in. And that's the question. When we talk about leadership, obviously I understand that there are leaders in different forms, but if you can't get your subsidiaries to key in in the key moments, and that's in the playoffs, if KD can't get Kyrie to play, Kyrie's not going to play, and Kyrie is a huge part of that team's success. Because I don't think KD and Harden Yo, you say I'm in a battle like Vidich Yeah man, I got 90 minutes I got my eye on the ball, but I see red on my right, no Kimmich But if you reach this pocket, I'm gonna see cards from Dean That's a one-match ban from leagues, so I can't ride out for the team So I can't ride out for the team If they ask me who the goal is, I gotta say Nicholas Bentner I know I'm just joking, everyone knows that Messi is better I'm trying to get my sterling up in this city, so see you play As soon as my child can walk, it's straight Project Mbappé Bun all the verbal, as soon as I hear that whistle We get straight to the action, come on lads where's the passion Do like Alan Maxine, wear headbands for the fashion If the defenders drop back, we counter and then attack them I got my eye on the ball, I got my eye on the ball, yeah uh, I got my eye on the ball, I got my eye on the ball, yeah I got my eye on the ball, I got my eye on the ball Yes, yes, people, welcome to Eyes on the Ball, or as we like to call it here, Eyes on the Court, because we'll be talking basketball today. Um, there's been a lot of football recently, and we've had to cover a lot of football content, and we've just literally neglected the NBA. Our sec- uh, I'd still call it our first love, but we've neglected it, but we're coming back with our weekly NBA episodes, as usual. We've got an action-packed pa- action panel today. Before we introduce our guest, obviously... Someone who you might consider a guest too, who is now officially part of the panel, because I forgot to even mention the dim first episode on the NBA, officially part of the Eyes on the Court panel. How you doing, bro, man? I'm good, My man. brother. I'm good. I just saw I just saw the red card in it, so <laughs> <laughs> Nah, no worries, no worries. I mean there's so much to discuss today, but obviously before we dive into the juicy topics that we have, we've obviously got a special guest. We've got my boy Josh. From Double Clutch UK, how you doing, Josh? Man, I'm good, thank you. It's just an honour to be present um, as part of Nadim's inauguration. Yes, so literally, man, you can share that celebration. Really, um, I'm sure once we get into it, once we get into the nitty gritty, there'll be loads of debates and loads of conversations that we can bring out of the topics that we have today. And I think it makes sense to just go straight into it. The most interesting character or most interesting player in the NBA today, Bradley Beal. I mean, obviously, coming back off the season where he averaged 30, a lot of people said, look, he played on a bad team, so he was obviously going to have his numbers inflated. I mean, he's come out this season and he's averaging 35, 5 and 5. I think he's leading the league in scoring as well. So Bradley Beal is balling out and he's certainly someone who has gotten a bone to pick, especially after not being picked as an all-star last year. 
he's proven himself worthy. I mean, the Westbrook move for the Wizards, everyone thought the Wizards would be back in contention for a playoff spot, and it hasn't turned out that way. And I think, I actually think it's too late for them in, in terms of a playoff, playoff push, unless we see something dramatic. Nonetheless, I mean, talking about being loyal, talking about doing all this stuff, talking about staying, but we know how the basketball is, we know how the NBA is, very, very volatile league. He could end up leaving. And the question I have for my panel today is, if Bradley Bill does leave, and we're going to go to Josh first, being our guest, if Bradley Bill does leave, what is the best landing spot? Which team is the best landing spot and why? So I'll start with the fact that Beal has come out today and said that he's not leaving. But yeah. as we know from being basketball fans and generally sports fans, that that means basically nothing. Uh, because it's it's like the uh, vote of confidence that managers get. You know, these words never mean anything. People, he could always go. But anyway, I think that the best landing spots are difficult and interesting conversation, isn't it? Because there are places where you'd love to see him or where he'd love to end up that aren't yeah. necessarily realistic in terms of trades that I think could happen. But in terms of trades that I think could happen, uh, for me, it's Denver. Um, I think. The Nuggets receiving Beal, that would combine a backcourt of him and uh, Jamal Murray, which is would be kind of delightful. That would be, you know, poetry in motion. Uh, with a potential, yeah. um, you know, one of the best players in the league right now in Nikola, Nikola Jokic off the back of some absolutely mind-blowing performances. And I yeah. think they automatically um, enter contender mode at that point. Um, and I think the package that maybe you could send... Um, to the Wizards, you know, to compensate for him is um, Michael Antifax Jr., according to yesterday on the Double Clutch <laughs> podcast. I, I've spoken about this on Double Clutch yesterday, actually, this exact trade. Um, but um, Gary Harris, which would be a difficult one to see go, but, you know, you need to throw in some legitimate talent the other way. Um, yeah. And it would, you know, he, he's been hit and miss at times, but he's, you know, he's a real building block. And then you'd need one or two picks um, thrown in there. And then, if absolutely necessary, they have loads of guys that actually are quite enticing, like Monte, Morris, um, Bol Bol. You never know what Bol Bol could turn into. PJ Doja. PJ Exactly, yeah. So I think, that, I think that that's the best potential deal for both teams. Um, and I think watching Beal thrive with Jokic would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Most definitely. But then, Most definitely. if we go to you, what team do you think is the best landing spot? When I when you told me that this was a topic, the first thing that came to mind was Denver. I yeah. had Denver as well. And also Pelicans. Okay. The Pelicans, the Pelicans with, if you had a call going forward of Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Bradley Beal, I, I don't know if that contends immediately, but I think in the future, especially when Zion becomes a better player, yeah, that would be a team that would be reckoned with in the in the in the West because it has length, it has speed. The, I don't think we realize how good Brandon Ingram is. Like Brandon they Ingram, don't, bro, they don't, they don't. That's Darren's guy, man. That's Darren's guy. Um, they don't know. Top yeah. ten in the NBA, real soon. No, <laughs> he's coming. Him and Jason Tatum are the guys I'm looking and Jalen Brown. They're coming for that spot. And also, I also don't think we realize how good Bradley Beal is. I think sometimes we see the stats and we go, hey, he's doing, he's a score. No, Bradley Beal is really, really good. Yeah. He's really good. So if you add those two together, and especially because I don't think Zion's game is ready yet for him to be 
the main piece in an offense where you build around him. I think he's going to have to develop into that. I think if you have those two around him, especially given the fact that they're trying to trade most of the team anyway, I think the Pelicans after I had initially the Nuggets but in the, in the spirit of debate, I'm going to go with the Pelicans. Yeah. The, the point you just made there about like Zion is that if you were able to get someone like Beal on the team alongside Ingram, the shot creation kind of falls between those two guys and Zion can kind of just be the guy he is rather than people, you know, trying to immediately become someone he isn't. Build on his offensive game that, like, in parts that we we don't he doesn't have, and we don't know if he ever will have. But he can be, you know, what he is, which is an absolute bulldozer, a guy who can help a team through his sheer power. And then those guys can be the shot creators. That'd be really fun to watch as well. That's a great show. It's an issue I have actually because I think sometimes young players are so good that we just immediately throw them into the limelight and we expect them to be these great things. Zion is still, I think, he's younger than me. And he's still, he's built like something else, but he's not, he's younger, he's still very young and his game is still very young, it's raw. Mm-hmm. So if you're expecting to finish art school right now, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you give Zion a good few, like, a few years to get himself ready to go, I think that team, that team contends, especially when LeBron leaves. Before I let Darren go, before I let Darren go, the one question I have though is, what are your thoughts in terms of, if they were to go for Bradley Bull, for example, are they challenging? Because really and truly, if you watch Bradley Bill's recent interview, he talks about, um, is he going to necessarily win a chip at his next team? And you know that that's the lingo they're using along those lines. It's all about, if I leave, am I guaranteeing myself a title? If I do not guarantee myself a title, why should I leave? Do you think let me, let me, let me add to that, Daniel, in it because I wasn't even going to give mine. I was going to add to the Zion um, conversation. Yeah. I don't think the Pelicans would... I love the idea. But I don't think the Pelicans will do it because Zion came into the league as the next phenom, the guy who's supposed to be the um, future of the league. But how can he be the third best player on his own team? I don't think that the Pelicans will allow that to happen. I think conceptually, it makes a lot of sense. But I don't think branding-wise that they'll go for it because they want Zion to be, you know, a big star. And if he's just an offensive rebounder and screener, (laughs) <laughs> you might as well be Drummond. But no, I'd be okay. Even Adam. Devin Green has for a nice career being that. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, if Bradley Bull wants to contend straight away, there's another team around his area in Philly that would I think would use him. I actually think Bradley Bull and Embiid is a better duo than Simmons and Embiid. I think it works better. Oh, so yeah. If Bradley Bull ends up on the Sixers, that's the team I think he goes straight away and they're contenders immediately. Him You're giving away my team, man. You're giving away my team. Sorry, but with the Pelicans, I don't think they become contenders straight away. Yeah. But they're definitely in and around. That's that's the issue, isn't it? Is that you know and when you said that I thought it would be great to watch. Um and but you made the point is that you know Bradley Beal to move away from the Wizards would need to guarantee that it's going to be an obvious step up, and yeah. he's. I, when you said it, I thought, oh no, that's not in his timeline. And then I looked at it, and he's actually only twenty seven. So yeah. you know, if you think well, a lot of basketball players' prime is a, about kind of thirty ish, isn't it? Yeah. About twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. If you think if he if he's able to stay healthy, there's no you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that if he went to the Pelicans they could grow into a contender by the time he reaches his prime. 
Um, but there's just no guarantees. And he might just join a team for now that is not a massive upgrade from the Wizards in terms yeah. of on the win column. And another yeah. thing to note me quickly that his contract doesn't, it's not like a long term contract. I think it's, it ends soon anyway. Two so, years. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like if he's going, he can still stay there for a long time. He'll be out soon if he wants to anyway. Yeah, free agent. Yeah, very true. Um, my team, I went a bit outside the box. I went into, you know, I don't, I know you guys would have had the Sixers um, and the Nuggets because I had, I thought those were good destinations as well. Pelicans yeah. is a good out of the box shot, but my, I've gone with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I believe Kristaps Porzingis, the injuries look to have taken its toll on him. Like it oh. feels like he. He's seven three, but he plays like he's six eight, six nine. He stands around the perimeter. Um, he, he doesn't get um, he doesn't do work on the inside enough. So yeah. I feel like he's not good enough to be your second player on the championship team anymore. But yeah. his value is still yeah. at a point to where, I, yeah, I just feel like he's his game. His game is not where it, he's not the same unicorn that he used to be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And Luca, Luca's ready to win now. Do you know what I mean? Look, a, a, a guy like Luca, you need to surround him with pieces that should get done. No, I'm not okay. Not that he's ready to win now, but he's good enough, I believe, to be the best player on the championship team next se- by next season. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. In the I right do. situation, for sure. Um, yeah. But the, the, the problem is, I think with the be-all thing, is that they do need a second star. They need someone who can you know, give Luca a little bit of rest on the offensive end. But that's not their biggest problem at the moment. They're, they're, exactly. They they can't defend. And yeah. most importantly, they can't rebound. And like you said, that ain't going to cut it when you've got a seven-foot-free guy standing on the perimeter. And, oh, and yeah. I even add to that by saying they tried to sacrifice because they had the best offensive rating in NBA history last season. Yep. They yeah. tried to sacrifice a bit of offense this season by getting Josh Richardson. And they've arguably not even improved defensively. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what? It, it, it's a situ- it's a tough situation. But adding Bradley Bill, I think is does it take them anywhere better? I think to what I would say is it. It's one. It's the first move of a sequence of moves because do you know what I mean. He's he. I believe he's the second guy that could uh, complement Luca in a great way. Like Bradley Bill wouldn't have to do any playmaking. I'd say go and score the ball. Even catch and shoot, we'll get catch and shoot opportunities with Luca as well. And then you can surround them two with just glue guys and role players. Because you've got enough offense, you've got enough scoring. Go get a guy that can rebound. Go get a couple guys that can switch on the perimeter. And I believe you you got yourself a special team. Imagine imagine going from Westbrook to Don uh, to Doncic. <laughs> he's gonna be getting key looks. I, I, I honestly, I would do it just for the sake that just give Doncic a rest. Like he can't handle the ball every single exactly. minute. Exactly. Like, rest. He's actually twenty-one or twenty-two. And, and I know there's a rating where his usage in terms of the in terms of ball possessions, yeah, is like the highest we've seen in NBA history. Like it's too much. He has the ball. It's too much. Anyone who usage looks like James Harden yeah. used to. I don't want to know, literally, literally. And he, that's what I don't like about it. Is he's a playmaker. Like he doesn't need to be handling. That's why his um, three point percentage is so low. Do you know what I mean? Because he handles the ball so much. So getting a guy that can handle the ball next to him, and we'll see that offense go back to all time as it was last year. Yeah, I mean, 
quickly just to throw in my look. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. If I'm in the shoes of Daryl Morey, I'm throwing Ben Simmons straight to the Wizards and saying, "Look, Ben Simmons for Bradley Bill." Like Nadine already alluded to. No, straight up, like you already alluded to. Look, Bradley Bill and Joel Embiid is a far better duo than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And the point that you made that I actually want to carry on about the Zion thing is obviously it might be too early because Zion's still young and this is what his second year in the league. But maybe we need to start having a look and saying these players are what they are and let's take them for what they are. And the reason why I'm going to take that adaptation is because Ben Simmons is someone we need to start taking for what he is. There's this dream or assumption that he's just suddenly going to start being a very, very good three-point shooter. Maybe that's not what he is. Maybe that's not what he's supposed to be because he's a quality defender. And maybe that's what he should be nurtured around, being a playmaker who can yeah. a playmaker who is very, very good at defending. Maybe that's what he needs to be. And I just right. thought the 76 yeah, I was just gonna, Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, because yeah. a lot of people were comparing to LeBron, and I even um, fell victim to that as well. And that's why I agree with your point in terms of, if we're honest, that dream is gone. I like, think we're all... Simmons, Elite defender, elite playmaker. Yeah. I, just, I, I think I think the worst thing he probably did for Ben Simmons was Magic Johnson, LeBron James comparisons because really that's not who he is. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, because I've said this to Daniel, I think he should be power forward. I'm trying to see him. I don't like seeing him as a point guard. I've said it since he came into the league, Nadim. He is a four. I don't think he's a, he's a point guard. Yeah. But I think the other issue is when you draft the guy number one, you expect this franchise changer. So yeah. if, you're, if the idea of Ben Simmons is a playmaker that's good on defense, but, but, be, but that's where the understanding in, in basketball is. who he is. No, exactly. And you don't need to be a franchise game changer all the time. He can be a game changer in a different sense where he's like five minutes to a team yeah. in a different role. Look, the reason why I go with the Bradley Bill, Joel Embiid is because, look, Joel Embiid this season, no injuries. What did I say? That's my guy. Like he's looking solid, looking like the MVP yep. candidate. And we're gonna get into that segment where you you will know my pick and you know my team already. And the reason why the 76ers will be so successful with Bradley Bill, just imagine having you guys already know the guard big duo is That's where it's at. That's where it's at. That's where you want to build it. And Bradley Bill was hitting his prime. I mean, if last season he's averaging 30, this season he's averaging 34, who knows what he could do? Like you're looking at James Harden type numbers, do you know what I'm saying? And he's a scorer. Let's not get it twisted. Bradley Bill is a bona fide scorer. And then if you put him with Joel Embiid, they don't they don't and the spacing, the spacing on that team is is nuts as well. So he'll have room to operate. I don't think we realize what Joel Embiid is doing. Joel Embiid is doing what he's doing while having the paint the clogged up on exactly. every possession. Yeah. If he was imagine if you couldn't cheat off Ben Simmons and you could That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. he'd be he'd be crazy. I'd, I'd go as far and say that if you if you trade um, Ben Simmons for Bradley Bill, you're definitely you're you're guaranteed as in guaranteed Eastern Conference Finals. You're guaranteed it for me. Yeah, I believe so. I, I yeah. would agree. I would agree. I would agree. I, I, think, I think it's a guarantee, man. I won't go as far and say NBA Finals, but you'll get to the finals. So I you think- you you think that Bill and Embiid would automatically catapult them over either the Nets or the Celtics? Not necessarily. The Celtics, not the Nets. Yeah, yeah, the Celtics, Not. I'm not sure about the Nets because the Nets, you just never know with this team. And obviously, we're going to touch on the Nets a bit. But 
not over the Nets, but the Celtics. Because think about it, over the years... And the Bucks, and the Bucks as well, for me. 100%. Because yeah, it's amazing that we keep forgetting about them just because they flame out so much. <laughs> yeah, <in> the exactly. <laughs> they just have a small matter of like one of the best people to ever be in the league in terms of talent. And the, and, the, and the reason why I look at that is, let's look at... And the NBA is, is playoff is playoff focus, man. Let's 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 think about the playoffs. You're building your team to be successful in the playoffs. What has been the 76ers' problem in the last three years? It's getting over the line. You look at the Raptors against Kawhi game seven, just getting over the line. You look at this the, the bubble against the Celtics. I mean, it wasn't they just got outplayed, and Embiid had the workload. No one else could do anything. Players were trusted with roles that they just couldn't handle at that time. Matisse Fireball to name a few, but. If you bring in Bradley Bill, he's someone who can get them over the line because you have to focus on Bradley Bill. And then if you leave Joe Embiid, you have that two-piece tandem that we're looking at. I mean, what was the problem? And the reason why I'd even say that it'd be such a good tandem is when you look at LeBron and AD and the problems or the problems people posed going into the season, it was, is it sustainable? Do they have enough around them? Well, the 76ers actually have good pieces around them. And at, at the beginning of or what we're seeing of the 76ers now, I'd say we're seeing a better supporting cast than what we saw of the Lakers before they won the chip, if that makes sense. Maybe so that's well. why I think... Yeah, yeah, so last year. So that's why I think this is an underrated team where if you add a Bradley Bill type player, it's a game changer, man. I remember yeah. when Ben Simmons was coming out from LSU. I remember thinking at the time, this is the slam dunk number one pick. We can do everything on the basketball court. And if yeah. he would be great. But and I remember some people would say in the media, oh, well, Brandon Ingram, you know, Jalen Brown. And people go, no, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons <laughs> is the best player in the draft. And then now you look at it and go, if Brandon Ingram and Joel Embiid played together. Yeah. That would be nasty still. You, you know, I've, I, I know this is, you know, I spoke to Darren about my um, unintended bias a lot of the time. But if you, if you think about how people have basically accepted that um, you know, Jalen Brown was going to be who he was. I haven't even thought about now in that they actually they like the Celtics won that draft night. Ooh. Yeah, yep. And I'd, I'd never even thought about that until now because that it it became accepted that look Tatum is going to be the offensive leader in in the Boston Celtics team. Um, Ingram is a talent if he can maximize that and he stays healthy. And Simmons is a two way monster, but partially because of the obvious meteoric rise this year in Jalen um, and the acceptance, like you said, Daniel, in that in the, they, they basically, like, the, you have to accept that Simmons is maybe close to his ceiling at this point. And then you look at that now and you think, man, they won that one as well as the one when Fultz was yep. trading. Very true. Before we move on to the next topic, Daniel, in it. Yeah, Just my on. last take on Ben Simmons. I think he's Draymond Green on steroids. Yeah. That's what I think he is. Defensive player of the year um, type of player. Um, elite playmaker. Um, but he's not going to give you much on offense. And But everyone knows how valuable Draymond is. Imagine yeah. Ben Simmons in that role. That that's a special, special player. But they just that's need to understand. Let, let me say this because I actually have a Ben Simmons jersey in my wardrobe. I don't. I'm not anti Ben Simmons. I just feel like for the talent he has, he could be so much more than he actually showed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and and like you said, you know, Darren, you, you, there's no harm in accepting 
Draymond is one of the best at what he's done ever. And exactly. he's the same as Zion, you know, if, if, oh. if we, we compared it to the Zion thing. What's wrong with Zion being Charles Barkley? Like, Charles Barkley's one of the best to ever do what he did. Like, yeah. why, why, why do we need Zion to be taking step backs? We don't. Let him go out there and maximise his Charles Barkley-ness. And I, I think, just to wrap it up, is NBA teams need to realise and accept players for who they are. And obviously, it comes into... Um, what I believe where players can really thrive depending on the situation they find themselves in. Situations are always what will help you. And I think you can still get the best out of Ben Simmons because he's still very, very young if he moves situation. Like it's, it's been a long time now. And if they were so quick to move on from Markel Fultz, look, I, I think Mark, Ben Simmons is a good commodity, good commodity. And whilst he still commands a huge price for other teams, you might as well trade him and look at other options when you've got Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level. All right, we're moving on straight away to the Nets, the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, the biggest team in New York right now. Sorry, <laughs> <my friend. laughs> Sorry my Twitter find this. 100%. The Knicks fans are actually the worst on Twitter. It, it, they're really like Arsenal fans. You'll know a bit about it in the <laughs> But the no. Brooklyn... The Brooklyn Nets are an interesting team, obviously, if we're looking at offensive teams that we've seen over the years in NBA history. This is probably the greatest team we've seen on paper in terms of offensive talent. However, offense alone does not win you championships, as we will get into. So my question to the panel, and I'll come to you, Josh, first, is, as currently constructed, so let's give it a three-year time span, and let's say they don't necessarily make any other dramatic moves can they win a championship in three years as currently constructed? So if they keep their main three guys, if they keep that core? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation at this point, isn't it? Because they've had uh, a, a start to the season that's more turbulent than a Tuesday night at the Molyneux Stadium. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> we spend we spend a lot of our time, don't we, uh, following the game, convincing ourselves that the performances in the regular season and defensive sets and flex offenses that uh, coaches are experimenting with they matter uh, that much when it comes to the postseason. There's been yeah. a lot of justified concern about their defense so far this year. I mean, they are literally on track to have statistically the worst defense of all time. Um, yeah. But they have a lot of luxuries, one of which is that they have currently on track to be the the best offense of all time. So they could be the best at one thing and the worst ever at another yeah. thing, which is really quite incredible. Um, but another, in terms of the three-year span, they have two other luxuries. One is that they have a desirable destination where people want to go and play in New York City. So what yeah. happens there? is that they can get role players to sacrifice and buy into going to live there and maybe some veterans that can help them get over the line. Um, and a lot of, you know, another thing that draws that kind of thing is a really, really, really talented starting lineup, which they obviously have. They're offensively nothing we've ever seen before. So they'll once again, they'll be able to attract a lot of talent to support them. The supporting cast is a really, really important thing for a championship side. Um, so the Nets have those at their luxury. So I think by the space of the next three years, 
they can probably reach the finals twice, I would say. And that's based solely on the fact that in three or four months, we're going to be going, why did we ever care about them losing on a Sunday night to whoever? Because look at what they've done by going ISO for the entire game and Mm -hmm. destroying the defense. So I'm going to say they're going to go to the finals at least twice and they uh, they, they could win it. If I was to follow up that question before I get the next person to give their take, do you think the objective is to basically replicate, I would let, let's say, the Miami Heat team? So let's say they're together for three slash four years. If they get to two finals and win it once in three years, is that job done or is that underachievement? I think it's uh, more about the um, the timeline that they're on, isn't it? I think that yeah. like I. I Look, KD's just come back from one of the most terrifying basketball injuries ever. Um, we're not 100% sure that Kyrie likes playing basketball, like as much as a lot of people in the league. Um, and Harden is, for obvious reasons, it's hard to uh, really put your finger on how long he's going to play basketball for or how, because he's been incredibly durable so far in his career. Um yeah. But he lives the life of a 1970s rock star. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, who knows, man? I think that that would be considered success to answer your question. Um, yeah. But, but in terms of whether the like whether they're the same as the Miami Heat team, I mean, you're talking about three of the best professionals we've had in the last 20 years in Miami. Um, so, I, I think one championship. Um, would be considered more of a success than it would have been for Miami because LeBron's one of the best players of all time. Dwayne Wade is, you know, at the level of Harden and uh, way ahead of Kyrie. And then Bosch was like the complimentary guy to them. So I I think that Miami had higher expectations um, and, you know, one one championship would be fine. I just answered that question the longest way possible, so my apologies. No, that's totally oh, unacceptable, and I get it. Yeah, makes sense. On that. I think, well, I think first of all, for this season, the buyout market is going to be so key for them, buyout, because that, you know, and that's been key for the Lakers, uh, the Bucks, the Clippers all last season. Look, history tells us if you play defense like they play, you're not going far. You're not going to where you want to go, which is ultimately to win a championship. And but the one thing I think we have to realize who. Mike D'Antoni is and who now Steve Nash is, is that for them, offense is defense. And, you know, they believe that they turn if they turn the game into a shootout, they're more likely to win than you are. And so far, they've been proven right. I think they played together close to 10 games and they've won about eight of those games so, or, or 11 games and they won eight. So they, they have a point. I think Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash will say they went to Eastern, they went to conference finals playing this style of way where it was returning this game into a shootout and they were the last conference finals going, the other team had better players than us. Now they can't really say that. Now they're saying we put our system into three of the greatest hands that God has ever laid, made touch a basketball. And so they'll say, you know, we can do it this season. The issue they have is if you play defense the way they play defense, the NBA is too talented that... Uh, your opposing team, someone's going to get hot. We've seen Sexton, we've seen Bamadebayo, we saw Bradley Bill and Westwood, who've been struggling for most of the season, get hot. We saw, was it the other one? Someone got hot the other day. I, just, I couldn't believe it. 
we saw the Atlanta Hawks do what they wanted any single time they wanted to the net of defense. So, you know, but they will believe that, okay, saying as seven game series, five games, we're going to outshoot you. Yeah. And they have the right to believe that. Now, they, one thing is, their, their defense is based on timely stop. And we've seen it on occasions where they played the box and they needed some timely stops towards the end of the game. They did it. Even the Celtics game, when they were, the, the Celtics game, they did it then. The Cavs game where they lost, they did it then because they're down 15 or something. And they did timely stop. They go back into the game, force it to overtime. So that's how they'll see it. Now, they need to get some individuals on board that can actually play defense. I think expecting Kyrie Irving and Harden to be great guard defenders is not who they are. They've never been that. They're decent. They're better than people think. But if you're trying to win a championship, no. But history tells us this style doesn't work. But it's never been put into the hands of these three type of players. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see in June. But I, I do think it's a bit overblown. It's, it's a Sunday night against the Wizards. You know, it's a bit overblown. That we've, 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 we neglect what they did to OKC the, the couple nights before, what they've been doing recently. So, it's a, it's a bit of... Will it work over the next three years? I at least think once. Because maybe this, they don't win it this season and they come back and they realize, yeah, okay, we need to do something about that defense. But I think though, I, I think it's much to do about nothing. Yeah, well, what you said, Nadim, about you know, the, uh, history tells us that playing defense at this level isn't going to win you a championship. But guess what? There is nothing in history to tell uh-huh. you what happens when you score that much. So exactly. you know. We, we really can't tell. But, it's you know, I almost really love it. I compared it yesterday to, um, and on Twitter the other day. You remember when um, Prince Nassim Hamid was like one of the, I don't know, you seem a lot younger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Prince Nassim Hamid was the kind of primary boxer in his uh, class yeah. in Britain. Yeah. And he was, uh, his fighting style generally was to uh, go in completely unguarded. He was using yeah. his body. He was, he was a flare guy. Um I, I think that they're the basketball embodiment of Prince Nassim Hamid, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Mine was the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes' first season, where it's offense, 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 and yeah, yeah. defense anytime. But they said, We have Mahomes, and we're going down here, and we're going to score every single time. But then if they went to the, the championship. You, you end up losing because Tom yeah. Brady had to go in exactly. the last So I guess we don't know at the end, but you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we're doing comparisons, then I'd compare them to Liverpool's team that finished fourth, where they scored so yep. many goals. Champions many... League final. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I think it's uh, what you were saying, very, very accurate. Um, that's why I called it an experiment when we started this segment. In terms of yeah. on pace to have the greatest ever offense and on pace to have the worst ever defense, that is yeah. very weird. Um, but in terms of you know whether they can win the championship. I think it's about, as Josh said, role players are a key aspect to any championship team. That's why I said losing Jarrett Allen, for me, was a big, big, big loss. Because he's a guy that can clean up for all the mistakes um, that guys make on the perimeter. DeAndre Jordan isn't that guy anymore. You know what I mean? So I think um, they'll be able to get a big man that can do that. Um, I don't think this season, because I don't think you'll get a guy like that in the buyout market, but going into next season, I think that they'll, um, same way that the Lakers did this season, you get your mid-level, make a couple trades, 
and you improve your supporting cast. Um, so I think next year they'll definitely be a better team. This year, I, I you can't count them out. Like, there's no way we can say this team won't win a championship. That I mean, the talent is un like something we've never seen before. But um, at the rate that they play, D, uh, I see, I see whoever comes out the West. I see that I see them making it to the finals because all the teams in the East have flaws. You know what I'm saying? There's no team in the East that's gonna like I don't see outdo them, especially in a tight game. Like you don't really trust the Bucks in close games. The Sixers, they haven't got a closer. The Celtics guess so, but they're still young. Do you know what I mean? All these teams, it just feels like their flaws going to them. No, I was I was saying I saw the Sixers play the Lakers the other day and it's the Danny Green who got one of the final shots, and I thought if you're trying to win a championship, which is your aim, that's actually where Bradley Bill comes in. Exactly. So, yeah, I think the East is. I think the Nets will look around and go. Maybe the Celtics and the Heat, even though they're still at the playoffs, I still think if the Heat gets in, someone doesn't want to face them. So, yeah. yeah. No, the Heat is a big shout. I give the Heat credit because. They play together on both ends of the court, which is basically the opposite of Brooklyn. So that would be a very interesting matchup. But um, yeah, man, as I was saying, I just think all the teams in the East have flaws and the amount of talent that the Nets have, I think they'll be able to overcome that. But um, yeah, their lack of defense, though, I, I see them losing in the finals to whoever's in the finals, Clippers or Lakers. And, and that's, you can't defend. Go on. No, that's mm-hmm. the true point. I mean, before I give... Um, Josh, the chance to wrap wrap up for us. My entire point, and if I go down the, the stats route, look, I'm gonna put my neck out on the line. They can't win the championship with that call. I'm sorry, they can't. And the reason why I say that is not even to disregard or disrespect the talent that they have. But at the end of the day, of course, we can't look too much in history. But when history is so stacked against you that you have to basically disprove history, I'm sorry, I have to see it to believe it. 18 of the last 20 NBA champions have basically been below the league average in terms of opponent points per game. And if you look yeah. at their points per game, I believe their points per game is around the 117, the 117 120, 120 mark, somewhere around there. And in terms mm-hmm. of opponent field goal percentage as well, history has shown, look, you need to be below the average in that. And they're far, like, so much higher than where they need to be. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. It's not like their defense is middle of the pack defense. They have one of the worst defenses we've seen in the history of basketball. Like it's it's that bad for a team that's contending for a title anyway. And the reason why I say and stick out my neck and say they can't win a chip as constructive is because they have no regret regard for it. What I saw, and of course, I understand that we can't look too much at NBA regular season games because, of course, regular season games can't tell you the whole truth. I mean, they were saying the Lakers, because they couldn't beat the Clip- the Clippers and the Bucks early on in the season, they're not going to win a chip and whatnot. So I'm not looking too much in these games, but we can look at moments in these games. And these moments can be a reflection of how they're going to perform in the playoffs. Things that people didn't see coming with the Clippers, if you saw little moments in the regular season where they could switch off, you could have seen or predicted what was going to happen in the playoffs in the bubble last year. The same goes for the, for the Nets for me. When I look at the Wizards game where they... I forgot who inbound in the ball. Was it um, Harris? Joe Harris, yeah. Yeah, Joe Harris. What are you doing? Like, what are you actually doing? And who was there to tell him 
relax. You don't need to throw the ball straight away. When you look at KD, Harden and Kyrie, yeah, you might say KD is the best player, but who is the leader on that team if I ask the panel? Well, KD has, you know, publicly and continuously tried to remove himself from a leadership role throughout his career. He literally tried to push the nickname the servant on himself, <laughs> which is like, you know, so he, he said in multiple interviews that he he didn't want um, Gerantula, uh he didn't want any of that. He wanted to be, he didn't want, uh, what was it, the Slim Reaper? He didn't want that. Yeah. Those were all good nicknames. He, he wanted the servant, right? And then he, <laughs> he continuously kept saying, you know, this is Westbrook's team. And then he yeah. went to Golden State and he was like, this is Steph's team. And then all he ever says is, I want a hoop. So he doesn't want the extra stuff that comes along with leadership. We know that. And then, and then, you know, I, as a Boston Celtics fan, have seen the bad side of watching Kyrie try to make a statement and try and become a known leader in a basketball team. Um, and then James Harden, we've had years of him falling at the last hurdle. So exactly. they are literally putting everything on the table and leaning completely into the idea of, look, we can score whenever we want. Let's see if that can get us to the ultimate goal. I, I think I've watched every Nets game this season. And I'll say this first. It takes a lot of self-awareness to talk, when in a sport that says the best player should be the leader. For the best player to come out and say, I don't want the job. I think yeah. I was talking about Dennis McGinney the other day when he said he wants to go to the G League. It, sometimes self-awareness is a great thing. To look within yourself and say, I'm not that guy. Yeah. So, I credit him on that. What I've seen from like every next game I've watched is that he does seem to be talking a lot more than he was in the past. I don't know what happened with the over the last couple of years, but he does seem, Katie I'm talking about, seems to be more vocal than he has. James, James Harden seems to be a lot more vocal than, and apparently Jeff Green is a big voice in that locker room. Yeah. So, it's not like a void of people talking. I, 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 This is kind of the issue I had. I like the hire of Steve Nash, but this is kind of the the area where I was a bit mm, like, like, does he have? Let's, let's, and that is even my final take. Um, before we close, like, my point is, is that when you've got a coach, and obviously they brought in D'Antoni to add the experience factor and whatnot. But at the end of the day, Steve Nash is the coach, and you've got a coach where KD could KD Kyrie and Harden, and rightly so, they're all entitled to tell Steve Nash, look, you've never won before. Look, I, I, I'm gonna. Say what the final play today. He will tell them. No, not hard. No, I think KD Kyrie. <laughs> KD Kyrie. Yeah, no, it, like, it's all out there. And these are big personalities, but without knowing, there's no recognition of clear leadership because we could we could play a game and say, let's pick an NBA champion from the past 10 years, and I can tell you who the leader on that team is, who the clear leader or who the voice was. Because as much as people said it was Steph's team, which it was Steph's team, Dre was a very, very Imposing leader and good voice that people listen to on the team. But if there's, think, yeah. go on. No, I think sometimes we take leadership to mean. I, I think leadership can mean different things to different teams. You don't like, because every single time I hear Jamon talk about Steph, he always says he's a leader, he's a guy we follow. And Steph yeah. doesn't the type of guy that go, is going around saying we're all like shouting, demonstrating. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's more of a follow me. This is how we're going about this business. So I sometimes think we put too much invested into guys who. Are very vocal. Like you don't have to do it that way. Steph's leadership has worked in the past. They, when Steph is on the court, they are much. They look more of a solid unit than when it's just Raymond, because yeah. Steph, he's the energy of that team. So I, I wouldn't 
say that the Nets don't have leaders. I think that mistake with Joe Harris literally came from him seeing KD there, not thinking KD was going to move. And it, yeah. it happened to anyone. The one, the one that really annoyed me the most was TLC missing the layup at the room. I don't know how you missed that. Yeah. That's, that, that's the one that annoyed. That that's why I switched my phone off when I, I went to bed. On the sorry, on the leadership side of things, I think you need both, right? So I think obviously you've mentioned Steph and um, and Draymond. You need both. You need the guy. Who will be the vocal guy? He'll, you know, ramp the energy up. He'll tell people and hold people accountable. But you also do need the guy who can go, I'm putting this offense on my back. I'm remaining composed and I'm hitting yeah. these shots. Yeah. You know, some teams get lucky and they have a guy that can do both. LeBron being the best example of that. Uh, but some teams need both. And you're right in that I think the Nets currently only have one. And one version of that, and that is yeah. AD can do everything on the basketball court, but when it matters, what will happen? And we have several examples of Kyrie reacting badly to adversity. Exactly. You know, he, he had the luxury of LeBron early yeah. in his career, and he won, and he was allowed that role. But it's just going to be interesting to see because it's a different world. Playoff basketball is a different world, and exactly. uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be thrilling. Who knows? And the last point to that is, look, at the Definitely, end of the day... Um, fellas, let me say then it, because I've got to go and... I've got something else to say. So let me... Uh, Josh, I appreciate you for coming on. I'll be in touch. Daniel, bro, blessings. No worries, bro. No worries, bro. Good to meet man. But literally, the final point to that, because we're wrapping up anyway, is, look, at the end of the day, when we look at playoff basketball and... What I like to do is I like to highlight the personalities and we have to look at Kyrie and remember Kyrie and Harden can be difficult personalities. I mean, Harden in his own right, look, he had a team and he had a franchise to himself and they gave him everything they could possibly do to surround him with the best talent. They tried the shooter route, they tried the Chris Paul route, they tried the Westbrook route, they tried the Dwight Howard route. So they tried literally every combination possible and he couldn't get the job done. You see Kyrie, he's shown... That's why LeBron, look, LeBron deserves more credit for how he dealt with the Kyrie situation and how he was able to get Kyrie to key in. And that's the question. When we talk about leadership, obviously I understand that there are leaders in different forms, but if you can't get your subsidiaries to key in in the key moments, and that's in the playoffs, if KD can't get Kyrie to play, Kyrie's not going to play. And Kyrie is a huge part of that team's success. Because I don't think yeah. KD and Harden win just as the duo. That's the reason they're the big three. It's there for all of them to be parts of a championship team. And that's 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 just my reservations about the team. I, I will say this though, if they don't if they say, you know, God forbid for me personally, but say they get knocked out Eastern Conference Finals or, or Eastern Conference semifinals, I don't think the team has three returns as three again. So we're saying we're saying, oh, can they win it as a three over the next three years? I don't yeah. think together for three years anyway so so you so you think one year and it's championship or bust no I, I just think i just think as you said nothing is ever plain sailing with the way these nets as as you guys have said with their personalities i think it's a bit of a blow I mean, i'm more of a relaxed guy but i i i just think for them if they flame out in a way where so clippers flame out yeah i think i don't think they return as the same team 
I, I, I just don't. And it's very I don't even give the East credit for how good it's got. The Celtics, to me, that like maybe I Jim Brown and Jason Tatum higher than everyone else. I just, I, I think they're so good. And I think they're going to dominate the East. And do you know what? Do you know what? To that point, Steeden is everything. Because if you get a Celtics in the semifinals, I'm not betting on that on that on that series. I'm just not going to because I, I do not know what's going to happen. I think currently we're the second seed. I'm not really sure. I don't. Really yeah, know. that's why the second seed. Yeah, so, yeah. I think yeah. it's you don't really want to go to. I think if there's one place you did want to go for the Eastern Conference Finals, it probably is the Nets, just the arena and itself. Boston is hostile. I don't know if fans would be allowed back then, but Boston is very hostile. So is Philly. So is the Bucks. It's a very hostile atmosphere. I think the Nets is more. It's hostile, but it's relaxed. So, you know, it, that seeding thing is very important. But I also think there are certain players where it just said, get me in the playoffs and I'll be fine. And maybe the KD is, and, but we'll see. Uh, it, they, are, they are a very interesting team. Tonight against the Clippers would be very interesting to see. Yeah. What they're but we'll, I, we'll see. We won't know they're going to have yeah, yeah, yeah. the worst team in basketball and they're going to have nights where you go, oh, okay. This is what they're playing. So, yeah. well, Josh, do you have any final thoughts? No, it's been a pleasure joining you guys and you know chat, chatting basketball. Um, the last thing I'm going to say is that I'd advise Nadeem not to check any sports websites. <laughs> I got a notification that said Brian Leno sent off. So, how's that? <laughs> How does that happen? Awesome. That's, 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 that's no, that is funny, but appreciate Josh for coming on once again. Um, you can check out a lot of Josh's content um, on Double Clutch UK. And what's, if you shout out the socials, obviously they'll be down below, but if you shout yeah. out the socials as well. Okay, yeah, so follow me at, uh, at Poundcoin on Twitter. Uh, that's C-O-Y-N-E. Um, uh, also, something new that's happened in my life is that I'm on TikTok, uh, anything but net. Uh, and read me at UK. Perfect, perfect. Brilliant stuff. And obviously, Nadim's our writer as well at Arizona Ball. He writes a lot on um, basketball and just general stuff. So make sure you check out his um, piece on the NBA season and the storyline so far. I contribute to the writing as well. You can check out my latest piece as well, where I speak about the last dance and refer back to it again and see how it plays in today's night. Working on that one. That one should be coming out tomorrow. Um, and yeah, just enjoying all the content at Eyes on the Ball TV or at Eyes on the Court, as we like to call it on this show where we talk about the NBA. Appreciate you guys for coming on. Make sure you follow us at Eyes on the Ball TV underscore. You like, comment, subscribe, and do all of that good stuff for us. And till the next episode, Eyes on the Ball TV, we out.